and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 53rd episode in a weekly series called Snookered Into Love. <laughs> Here with me is my co-host Dave, whose weekly intro I will now share with you. He's had fantasies about Edie and the Queen of Blades. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, welcome, Dave. Thanks. And back to the discussion here. Last week's episode was a talk about celebrating the one-year anniversary of the show, gaming news, our favorite gaming moments, and other random interviews. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on those topics and to tell me your story. Today is Wednesday, February 8th, and today we speak with Jerry Snook, the community specialist for Turbine. So hello, Jerry. Hey, very much. Uh, appreciate being on the show. Oh, we're Thanks so glad you're me. here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's awesome. And your title of being snookered has nothing to do with my last name. <laughs> nothing whatsoever. <laughs> no, I should ask before we go further. Uh, Sam Scrobo likes to say schnook, but I assumed it was snook. How would you like that pronounced? You are correct. Samus is wrong. Okay. I thought he was just being Samus, but you never can. Call him Samus. Yeah, I hear he likes that. <laughs> <Samus>. <laughs> Very good. Beautiful. All right, let's start with news of the week. Uh, some games that we had not announced last week, but I'm going to do so now, came out on the 7th was Darkness 2 for the PS3, which looks scary. I don't know if I'm going to play that. It's less scary looking. And Resident Evil Revelations for the 3DS, Gotham City Imposters for PS3, Xbox, and PC. And those are pretty much the ones we haven't covered. And let's start. Let's see. Dave, why don't you go with your news of the week? No, wait, wait, wait. Before you tell me your news of the week... I want to share with you our new Skyrim theme, which I've pretty much taken directly from Bethesda. This is for you, Dave. I think you're going to like this. I'd be a lot warmer and a lot happier with an arrow in the knee. Our cousins out fighting dragons. In what do I get? An arrow in the knee. Been too long since we've had a good arrow in the knee. You come up to me, fist raised. You're looking for an arrow in the knee. Hold on, gagging. Let's hear about your misadventures in Skyrim this week. <laughs> Actually, you know, I haven't really played it all that much. Um, I did download, uh, they came out with the uh, graphics. Uh, oh, yes. High yes. resolution yes. texture High pack. resolution pack, yes. Yes, <laughs> you yes, yes. yes, the high resolution pack they came out with uh, yesterday, I mm -hmm. think. And uh, so I got that. Actually, it's in the process of downloading uh, as we speak. So um, I've got that. Going, I did play a little bit of uh, Dungeon Defenders again um, last Thursday. As you know, it was my birthday, and uh, today is uh, my wife's birthday, and uh, so we've been doing doing the birthday thing. We we're actually going to do the big birthday thing with my uh, folks and my sister and brother in law and kids and stuff on uh, Friday. So we'll be doing that, and uh, just been working. So maybe you can help me uh, out with that high resolution thing. Yeah, I have not played Skyrim, but was it all low res before? It's still it, beautiful. Yeah, it's it looks really really good, but like the shadowing and and the textures on the shadowing and stuff like that were 
really, really, they weren't polished. And so they came out with this, uh, this texture pack that's going to, that's going to fix a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, it's still, I mean, even for, even for the way it looked originally was, was downright amazing. I mean, it was really, really good. Nice. So, yeah, it, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm just hearing about, uh, this. I haven't actually looked at it myself yet. I, uh, I noticed that, uh, they actually went on sale on Steam today. Yes. Skyrim. I've, I've been hearing some buzz uh, around the uh, gamosphere about yeah, it. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I also I have to say, I watched that uh, that uh, mod that you talked about a couple episodes <laughs> Macho ago. Macho Man. But, yeah, the Macho Man Randy Savage mod, because I heard it on your show. Oh, yeah. I was, I was like, I've got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. strange looking creatures, aren't they? The dragon yeah. Macho Man. Yeah. Not a combo you normally great. see. Yeah. yeah. Um, one game you didn't uh, mention. I think it's coming out. I think it comes out Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That's um, uh, Twisted Metal. Ah, uh, yes. For the, well, for the fourteenth. Yeah, that's the same time as, of course, we talked about the Mass Effect Three demo. And yeah, yes, and Twisted yep. Metal. Yep. Excellent. So I've got that pre-ordered. So I will. Uh, oh, good. I'll, you can report on that. Yeah, I will be. Uh, we'll be playing that. So. Huh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The clown Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal, he's really scary. It is definitely out there. That's uh that's that, that it is one of the games that I mean even all the way back in the PS1 days when the original one came out, it was it was it was definitely out there, but it's it's a lot of fun. Right. I was just going to say I'm I'm young at heart enough that I remember playing that on the old PS1 back in the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. I just bought a bunch of old Xbox games today. Uh, I went to the used game shop and was rifling through and found Tenchu and Rainbow Six. Oh, and, nice. And uh, I think it was an odd world. It was not Abe's Odyssey, but uh, one of them. And I was all excited. Yeah. Yay for yeah, old you, Xbox games. Yeah, you can find uh, you can find games there. There's uh, I was told by two of the guys at work that are uh, Goodwill, I guess. Actually. Really? Carries, uh, yeah, they they said they carry a lot of stuff, and they have a huge selection of Atari Twenty Six Hundred games. So I'm going to be going over there over lunch tomorrow. <laughs> nice, <laughs> your new favorite store. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I'm going to Goodwill. You wear Harley Davidson shirts. Why are you going to Goodwill? They got ex- they got uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred games. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred guy myself. I've got a uh, system at home and a whole bunch of carts and yeah, all that sort of thing. I I really like it. Yeah, I got about when when I was a kid, it was the first thing that we got. It was the first gaming thing that well, I mean, we had a Pong, but that's I mean, that's eons ago. And uh then we got the Atari 2600 and at at the time we had it when we got rid of it, it had 126 cartridges with it. Oh wow. And we had boxes upon boxes upon boxes cuz there was a uh, there was a store south of here that was called 3D. It's kind of like it was at the time it was kind of like a big lots, and uh, they would have walls just full of just off the wall Atari 2600 games. They were like like Kool Aid Man was one of them, and just, <laughs> just a lot of just really weird. It's like what is what, you can't buy this in town, you know? So we'd buy a lot, and they were really cheap. So Dad would buy up a bunch of them. We had them, and then that's uh, and then he got rid of it to get the Commodore 64. So. <laughs> To upgrade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember nice. those days. Yep. 
Okay, let me do my news really quick, and then I'd like to focus on Jerry here. Uh, I've been playing Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, which came out on the 4th, and I uh, haven't gotten very far into it, but if you liked the demo, I guarantee you'll like the, the regular game. It's very much... They've, I think they've upped a little bit of the difficulty on some of the creatures you fight, but otherwise it was pretty much exactly the same as the demo so far. And I registered for Hawken, which is a... There's a an open beta that comes out in December. It's a multiplayer mech combat game, and what it says, the description of it, is it's supposed to have a battle experience that captures the feeling of piloting a heavy war machine while keeping the action fast-paced and strategic. And it, it looks pretty neat. Uh, death matches and all sorts of stuff. So there's a free-to-play beta. You can register for that now, and it comes out in December. Nice. Yeah. I heard someone at the office talking about Hawken. I, the first I'd heard of it was uh, today. So, ah, If you actually register for the beta, it gives you a special uh, web address, and you can link that on your Facebook or elsewhere. And if three people use that address to also register for the beta, you can pre-register your gamer tag, and it'll lock it in for you until December. So Ooh, nice. Yeah, so it's Here's some little... sneaky marketing. <laughs> yeah, sneaky no doubt, right? It's going to take your name unless you do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll have to link it on the page. I think yeah. I have two people, but not three. <laughs> nice. And uh, since it's our Valentine's Day episode, I should ask you both if you're doing anything special. We should focus a little on Valentine's Day. Uh, oh. Dave, you better. Bev will kill you. You better do something nice. She well, she honestly, she'll probably end up working. Okay. So yeah. we should mention that it's it's Bev's birthday tonight, and he's still recording with me. She's so kind and nice. Thank you so much, Bev. Well, she's standing here with a knife. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> she says, "I want jewelry, and I want it fourteen carat." Yep, that or coach purses. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably uh, me and my wife uh, will probably do something for Valentine's Day. Uh, we don't make a big deal out of it. It's kind of a so-called Hallmark holiday, you know? Yes. But yes. Uh, but it's still a cool time. Uh, for those who, for some reason, have been following what I've been doing at all, I have a uh, child now that was born in early October, so we've been quite busy with a uh, very nice. young baby. Yes. Yes. Congrats, man. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we had the Jerry Spawn episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <That's> very good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, Otherwise, that does when put I, a crimp on it, doesn't it? You can't, little ones, you got to stay around. And you know. Well, that's exactly right. It's like, well, we could go out to eat if we want to upset everyone else. <laughs> really Valentine's Day for the masses. Yeah. but uh, No, I'm sure we'll do something fun. If nothing else, we'll at least just hang out and, and have some, you know, relax a little bit. So. There you go. Uh, otherwise, uh, I guess what I've been playing, I, I've obviously been playing a lot of DDO, which mm -hmm. I always do, but uh, I have also uh, recently played that Kingdoms of Amalur demo. Oh, yes. Did, was, you, uh, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I fully expect to pick up the game uh, really as soon as I get the chance here. It seems pretty good, and it's kind of nice to, to uh, you know support some of the folks down in a little bit of south of where Turbine is at 38 mm -hmm. Studios and Big Huge Games and all that sort of thing. I hear they've put a lot of work into it and it sure looks like it paid off for him so that's yeah. always a nice thing uh i've actually uh been playing a little bit of another uh warner brothers uh interactive entertainment game uh that gotham city imposters that was mentioned a little bit earlier oh what did you uh, think i've been really enjoying it that just uh came out yesterday and so i i got a copy of it off steam and uh just been been doing some shooting with that. It's a first person shooter with kind of a, a quirky combat system. It, it's sort of a, 
not super serious first person shooter with a lot of pretty kind of fun and deep strategy to it. I've been liking it quite a bit. Uh, some pretty cool graphics and just a lot of kind of silly stuff. You know, you dress up a little bit like the Joker or Batman and you've got grappling hooks and trampolines and all sorts of kind of funny, goofy things that you do. It's been a lot of fun. So it's more like small games and it ne- not necessarily a story mode in it. Right, right. There is not a uh, single player mode in it. Okay. Oh, well, it's actually entirely true. Uh, I'm sure the people who made it would be saying, you're wrong. Uh, there's like a, there's like a challenges thing, uh, which you can do kind of mini games and all that too. But the main core of the game is a, uh, online first person shooter that you can either play with friends or, you know, just join random groups and all that sort of thing. Oh, okay. I was wondering how it related to the other Gotham City, the two games that have recently come out, if it was somehow related to that or, or different, but that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're separate, uh, separate development teams and products and everything. Okay. I heard you were playing Mother. Now, tell us about this. What is Mother? I don't know. Me? Yes. I I haven't been playing Mother. I don't know. There's something on your Twitter. It said Mother. I was like, what is Mother? I was looking at all the games that you you recently played. and and I have to check my own Twitter feed. I'm not actually sure what I said there. Left your keyboard unlocked and somebody got in there and typed in something. (laughs) Well, it wasn't Jerry Snook. It was another name. Um, Let me look it up. Well, I mean, there's uh, there's the old uh, Japanese RPG that I believe was called Mother 3, right? Oh, Something like that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, Mother 3 is a f- somewhat infamous uh, Japanese RPG, a classic one that came out in kind of the mid-2000s that never... Oh, yeah, Earthbound, essentially, was what it was uh, known as in the States, right? And it never got released, and so people for years wanted it released and it never did. Well, I guess I should ask you, are you at Freezing Inferno? Is that you as well? Uh, no, no, oh, I have nothing to do with that. Oh, it's guy named Jerry Snook. Really? Oh, yeah. He plays, uh, let's see, let's see. He plays uh, Shia Chronicles of the Spellborn, Shin Magami Tensei, and Nine Dragons. And I was like, wow, Jerry, you have a really diverse series of gaming choices. <laughs> wow. I don't even think I've heard any of these. I did not know that there was another uh, Jerry Snook and on Snook Twitter that was a big the gamer. same way and everything. Huh. Well, that would make sense then with the uh, with the titles you described, because Mother is sort of a hardcore Japanese RPG. Okay. Uh, of course, Shin Megami Tensei is as well. <laughs> well, there. So you have this entire alternate life, and people are researching you and, and being like, wow, Jerry, he has, a, he has all sorts of a love of fishing, a love of all these other <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I guess uh, otherwise for games, I have been playing. It sounds like I'm totally just playing WB games, but I have been mostly just playing WB games, to be honest. Uh, Bastion. I've been playing oh, that. I, I really Bastion. like Bastion. That game is and uh, Batman Arkham City, which, you know, another mm-hmm. WB game. Uh, what non-WB game have I been playing? I've been playing uh, a little bit the BitTrip series on the Wii. I really like that. I don't know that one. Yeah, like BitTrip Beat, BitTrip uh, Core, BitTrip Runner. They're all pretty fun. What's that like? Uh, There's sort of like uh, modern versions of Atari games. They have real sort of a uh, huh. little bit kind of trippy, blocky okay. graphics and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they actually have that on Steam here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure they yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Okay. Well, I want to ask you a little bit more about your community specialist position and some of the stuff you do at Turbine. But before we do that, let's jump into the new Get the Girl from Skaggy the Poet this week. The boy with the 
messy mind It's hard to find the time to clear it He's the boy with the broken brain Not insane but never happy Sharpen up those fangs Not insane but never happy Hello there and welcome to Get the Girl, Kill the Baddies and Save the Entire Planet, Episode 9. Gaming Poetry by me, Skaggy the Poet. Always happy to be on the Grey Area Podcast. Hurrah! Anyway, this week, food. Gaming food in particular. Not talking pizza, crisps, sausage rolls or anything from the Tempe Sweet Mix, which I've all... I'm sure all all of us have all eaten while gaming. No. Monsters. Thanks to people on Twitter who pointed me in the obvious right direction. I now present to you what monsters eat. With apologies in advance to... Oh my God, who wrote the original version of this? I'm sure I'll have remembered by the time the recording ends. Or just add a quick look on Wikipedia. Anyway... Here we go. Dragons do it. Kobolds do it. Even educated ogres do it. They all eat us. We're their favourite food. In the underdark, umberhulks do it. Zombies and ghouls in bulk do it. They all eat us. Raw, grilled or stewed. They say bugbears in far-off lands do it. Not to mention Abishai. Trolls in caves do it. Just think of human pie. Oh, sophisticated goblins with tortillas do it. Homicidal chimps and gorillas do it. They all eat us, with or without armour removed. Minotaurs in their mazes do it. Medusas and their deadly gaze do it. They all eat us, how very rude. Vegetarian cannibals gainst their wish do it. Sahorgin with chips and fish do it. They all eat us, or feed us to their brood. Bullywugs, I might add, do it, for it shocks them, I know. They all have their favourite bits, even our toes. So if you're adventuring, don't let anyone do it. Be careful where you tread, or someone will do it. Don't do it. Don't appear on a monster's menu. Cole Porter, that was it. Cole Porter, he wrote the original, and my favourite version is the one sung by Ella Fitzgerald. If you've got a moment, look it up on YouTube. It's bloody phenomenal. Anyway, I digress. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, any feedback, send it via Jen uh, to her email or to a Facebook site or me, skaggythepoet at aol.co.uk. Good or bad, I can take it on the chin. Kusamad. Sorry, don't know where that came from. Rambling again, Skaggy. Uh, best cut it off quick. Uh, so, until next week, or next poet, or whatever, or perhaps when my prescription medication's increased, toodle pip. Thank you to Skaggy the Poet, and back to you, Jerry. Well, let's get into a little bit of your work history, if you don't mind. Uh, take us back to the time when you first discovered Dungeons and Dragons online, and, and give us the story of how you fell in love with the game. Uh, mostly, I have, for those who don't know, I have a twin brother, and my twin brother uh, got into playing Dungeons and Dragons Online first, started playing it, and when pretty much called me up and said, Jerry, you need to start playing this game now. You must. But at the time, I was a little bit 
hesitant to because I didn't really, it was my first sort of experience with the MMO pay a monthly fee and yeah, you got to pay every month. Yeah. Sort of thing. So I was a little hesitant to get started. You know, I'd really just been mostly a console and, and non-subscription based PC gamer up until that point. But uh, it took him a couple weeks to convince me and just picked up the game and literally had fell in love with it on day one. I'd been a uh, Dungeons and Dragons player since I was a young child in the, well, a while ago. <laughs> okay. Did you find a correlation between the two? Oh, yeah, quite a bit, actually. Um, I mean, it's not a direct pen and paper experience, obviously, but uh, the rule set is largely there, and, and there's just something core about the, the sort of dungeon crawl aspect of uh, DDO that really just hits home, I think, for a lot of tabletop gamers. Now, but yeah, I guess, I mean, that was in 2006, right? Yes. So I've just been yeah. playing pretty much ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Is that your main, I would say, like, uh, meat and potatoes game that you, you mostly invest your time in? The only MMO? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've played other MMOs, uh, including Turbine's other big free-to-play game now, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings Online, Online yeah. But, uh, but DDO is, is really my, my first uh, MMO uh uh, game of choice. It's the one I put in pretty much all my MMO time in. The okay. rest I just dabble in. <laughs> <laughs> Versus the master that you are. Right. Did you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should preface and say for those who don't know that Turbine is an American game developer and they're best known for bringing a customer service side uh, of people as I guess populated a large part by the people who are fans and the people who have had podcasts and have been part of the community in the past. And they're best known for Asheron's Call, Dungeons and Dragons Online, and Lord of the Rings Online. And we, we will get more to Turbine later, but let's talk about you a little bit. I hear uh, from small birds that you are a vegetarian. This is true. Yes. I've been a vegetarian since I was a teenager. So I guess it's but oh, yet you have an obsession with meat-named characters. <laughs> right. What is this about? <laughs> My very first character in Dungeons & Dragons Online was a, a fighter based way back in the old, uh, when the game first came out on a template build. I mean, you didn't even customize it. You just sort of, almost like a, oh, just sort of a pre-built character that you put your own name on. Uh, and I went with the name Beefheart the Vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beefheart because, frankly, at the time, yeah, I still am a big fan of Captain Beefheart. If you're nice. ever familiar with his uh, kind of an avant-garde rock experimental yeah, musician yeah. from the 70s. And plus, I figured it was a funny kind of play on Conan the Barbarian and all that. You know, mm -hmm. so-and-so, the so-and-so, Beefheart, the vegetarian. There's just a dichotomy there that amused me. So, yeah. Uh, Very good. I guess it's a good one. And then I quickly followed up with uh, Mock Duck, which is another uh, fake meat product. Yeah. Mock and, Duck? Uh, Doesn't yeah. You yeah, haven't heard that, of that? No, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I may indeed have some other characters that are roughly named on fake meat products throughout the various worlds. <laughs> you may. You may or may not. <laughs> we will not confirm. And Cordovan, where did that come from? Uh, mostly that came from sitting with a, uh, I think it was a thesaurus. Uh, down in, uh, I was living in Georgia at the time that I, I got hired at Turbine. And I just sat there one night uh, with my wife in our bedroom and we were watching TV and just going through names because I had to come up with a name. I had, couldn't keep my old player name just for a whole bunch of different reasons. And so I had to come up with a name and I'm not very good at that. I mean, I granted, I think before the vegetarian is pretty awesome, but <laughs> it is pretty awesome. You know, uh, it's hard to come up with them on the spot like that. So we were just going through uh, various 
books and thesauruses and words that are like other words and things like that. And she just happened to stumble across, Hey, what about Cordovan? And I was like, I, I like that. That works. I also way, way back uh, when I first uh, was on the uh, DDO forums, I, I had a uh, name of corduroy guy that actually back in the nineties, uh, when I was uh, online signing up for various websites and that, that used to be the user name I'd use. So and so it's kind of, it's, it's not really ex- close enough to be a concern or anything, but it just slightly hints at it. And it just, yeah, it just seemed to fit. It just made sense. So okay. I went with it. Yep. We've been fortunate to have uh, Siegfried and Anne Trent on before from the DDO cast. Uh, but being the original founder of it, I would like to hear uh, your, your story about how you ended up deciding that you had to make a podcast about the DDO that you loved. Well, I obviously like the game a uh, ton. And so that was the main driving factor. And I wanted to contribute to the community, which was the second one. But the third thing is, is I was really into podcasts. I still am. I listen to them. Podcasts are my radio. Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to them 24-7 all day, every day. That's pretty much what I listen to when I'm listening to things is podcasts. And it just so happened that I was sitting uh, reading the DDO forums. Uh, I guess it was around Christmas of 2006. So, you know, not quite, not even a year before the game had, uh, since the game had been released. And someone on the boards was like, are there any DDO podcasts? I want to listen to them. And so I did a Google search because I was like, yeah, I want to listen to DDO podcasts too. <laughs> no, there was not a single one out there. There had been a couple episodes that some podcasts had done about DDO, but there was not a single specific DDO podcast. And so then I, w- I looked and I was like, well, some of the other big MMOs have their own dedicated podcasts, and a ton of games have their own dedicated podcasts. Why the heck doesn't DDO have one? Yeah, that's surprising. And so then I, I, I had thought, you know, I do have a, a background in, in radio to some extent. I worked in radio for most of my life, certainly up to that point, and um, just really thought, well, I, I, I know how to talk into a microphone. I've got the equipment because I played music and did some uh, radio work. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got everything it takes to do it. Why the heck shouldn't I do it? So I was thinking, well, well, I don't know. Should I do it? I mean, what what gives me the right to do this show? <laughs> you know. But then I was like, well, I like podcasts, and why the heck not? Right? I figured let's let's just do it. See what happens. Maybe no one will listen, and you'll be a big public embarrassment, and the whole world will laugh at you. But you know, at the same point, <laughs> it'll be fine. Not so even it, that it, dire, right? And so ultimately, it was it was fine. It. it uh I did it, and I think it hit a critical mass because obviously I wasn't the only one who wanted to have a DDO podcast to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so from right away from the very start, it had a, a really uh, pretty good success and it just kept growing and growing and growing, and people got involved in it, and, and it really turned into uh, the voice of, the, of a voice of the community that I thought was uh, one of its key successes. Yeah, well, that's one thing about DDO that I think differs a little bit from other MMOs that I play. Uh, anytime I have someone on DDO related, the community is very, very involved, um, and they like to, you know, pop in and out and comment and just. There's a lot of of talking back. A lot of times in communities, you kind of put stuff out there, and there's the echo of nothingness, and you don't know if it's heard or not. But you will know you are heard in DDO because people yeah, come right. out and they talk to you, and that's the great thing about it. I really like it. We've had a lot of people kind of in the DDO world come on and do segments and things, and a lot of nice sharing back and forth. Yeah, that's the, honestly, I think that's the thing um, that I'm most happy about is not just that the show is a success, but that it also brought out a lot of sort of people's work and efforts and, and personalities and, 
and just there's a lot of great stuff happening online now that is in some ways related to DDO cast. And I just think that that is one of its legacies, frankly, that, that we've been able to spur a lot of creativity. Yes. Motivate creativity that was already there, I guess. Very good. Uh, now, I don't know exactly how the transition from DDO to Turbine came about, but I assume that perhaps uh, Turbine began to notice the large following of DDO cast and or something. Can you kind of take us from, from how you ended up moving from one to the other? Um, well, I don't know how much of it exactly I can get into, but uh, certainly some of it. Um, I guess it really starts not with me, but with uh, a uh, lady that goes by the name of Tolero uh, on okay. DDO right now. She was doing events, player-run events, uh, back in 2006 and uh, early 2007, and I interviewed her for the show. On one of the very first episodes, I interviewed her, and then really shortly thereafter, almost simultaneously, she joined the cast. She did a segment, did she not? Yeah, she did a segment on uh, role-playing and events and just all sorts of good stuff and really became one of the uh, key early contributors to the show and had a big skill set in running events and, and organizing things. And it just so happens that at that time, that Turbine was looking for someone with that skill set uh, to work on the community community team there. So... She got hired first um, okay. and did a really great job and continues to do a really great job. And, but uh, that kind of helped uh, forge tie, right, between uh, me and the community side of DDO a little bit. Not like we got anything super special because of it, but, hey, I mean, we at least know what each other look like and can talk, uh, you know, as friends and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I guess it just kind of uh, worked from pretty early on in, in the show's history that we were able to develop a, a – a nice relationship uh, with the folks who uh, helped make the game and and all that sort of thing and and you know obviously we we never were too pushy about it or anything like that. I mean, they, there was still plenty of. It's not like we made demands against them or anything. Like that. <laughs> the, the corporate DDO <laughs> right. community demands that you tell us right. why this mechanic does not work correctly. <laughs> right. No, I don't. But think yeah, so. I guess it just it, it was just a, sort of an organic relationship that developed there and and. I'd been working in radio uh, for many years since I was a teenager. In fact, one of my first jobs was in radio, and I've really been working in in that for oh, I guess about fifteen years at that point. And I also did news uh, journalism. I worked for a national newswire and uh, state house reporting and all sorts of stuff. Okay. And it, so I guess I at at. I don't know if you've heard, but radio isn't quite doing as well as it was maybe 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> something about yeah. an iPod or something like that. Right. Uh, but anyway, so I, I, I'd been working in radio and journalism for many years, but I guess I just kind of wanted, was looking for a change. And so when an opportunity came to apply for a community position at Turbine, I jumped on it. I mean, I was like, oh, please, can I please have my dream job? You know? <laughs> and it just so happens that I guess they said, yeah, I mean, we should, uh, should at least give them the interview. And it did that and it worked out. So, ah, so you're saying you reached out and applied. It's not like they came to you and said, please come work for us. Right, right. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally applied for the job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I went, I mean, I went through the same process as any other applicant for that position. It just so happens that they probably knew who I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that helps. <laughs> but good. you know, but yeah, I had to go through the same uh, same basic hiring processes as anyone would. I guess really all I'd say about the job thing is that it really, truly is 
a dream job for me. I mean, this is a dream come true. I've been a gamer, uh, not just a gamer, but a D and D player since I was in the single digits. And sure. it's this, the ability to not only work on something D and D related, but DDO, the best video game ever made about Dungeons and Dragons online for a great company. Mm-hmm. It's it just literally the best thing that has <laughs> ever happened to me. And I couldn't be, couldn't be happier to be doing it so yeah that's that's that is awesome so i mean it, it's all about it's like one of the guys at work we just had a guy leave and it was about money and i'm like look i really like where i work i mean there's politics there's politics everywhere you're going to work but it's all about liking your job i mean they could pay you two hundred thousand dollars a year and if you're miserable at work i mean it's there's no point, but like you got two mints and one. Oh, well, I don't there. know. I mean, if you, you, they, they pay you for two he's like, I'd like that two hundred thousand. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Nope, a lot of crap for two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like you're doing you're doing exactly what you love doing, and yeah. you just happen to be getting a paycheck for it. So right, right, that's awesome. Well, I have to ask, and my, and my my other assumption is, I guess, once you get a job for Turbine, it's probably a conflict of interest for you to be running uh, DDOcast, although it would be the right. perfect combo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's, it was also one of those things where it, it made sense for me, because I didn't want to make, you know, DDOcast was never the official podcast. There was a lot of editorial independence that I always thought was really an important part of it. And so I kind of, even if I had had the opportunity to bring in the podcast, I probably wouldn't have just because I think it's important that it remains a community uh, created podcast. But then honestly, there were, there was all sorts of, you know, just things that, that made it difficult to, to just do. So understood. It wasn't an option. (laughs) Now, when you got the job officially, you had to relocate to Boston. Is that the case? Right, right. I'd uh, just briefly been living down in Georgia for a few months uh, at the time that I got hired. And before that, I'd been living for several years in Minnesota and before that, several years in Indiana. Uh, another thing about radio is you tend to move a lot. Yeah. I was wondering how your family reacted to the news, uh, if they were excited that they had this opportunity to do something or if they were like rolling their eyes a little bit because they had to relocate. Well, the relocation wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but certainly they were uh, happy for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it really is a dream job, and especially following years of working in an industry that is struggling a little bit, let's put it that way, uh, it was good to, to know that I felt like I, I had something that I, I could do that I'd love, you know, and, and feel pretty secure at, too, so... Well, that's good. See, the rumor is that your wife jumped him down and cheered with excitement that... Uh, that- that you got this job and she didn't care but see this this is all there's been like a mystique since this has happened it's like one of the people has been elevated to well know, this, to this I, I don't know does anyone really want to hear this i guess whatever um she she was uh she works uh as a teacher uh has done some teaching work herself and the reason we had gone down to georgia was that she had been able to take a brief opportunity for work it wasn't a permanent position um so that like that made it a little bit easier, but she did have to sort of finish up her work there and then join me. So, you know, it was a sacrifice for her, that's for sure. But uh, but it was a sacrifice that uh, she was willing to make. I think yeah, when your mate finds their dream job, you kind of mm-hmm. you, you kind of make some of the kind of bend a little. <laughs> Absolutely, right. that's yeah. really neat. 
Okay. And then it just so happens that we had a kid on the way coming anyway. So oh. you do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've heard this, but having a baby tends to change your life. <laughs> yeah, in a I, big I way. Heard that, I heard that rumor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why Dave says we will never have one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can't start uh, grinding loot for you right away. It takes a couple of weeks. You have to wait. Yeah, that yeah. is the best thing about children is the crafting option. You can, <laughs> right. you know, I'll be back in a little while. You just sit here, push that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay so being a regular community guy like us how was integration for you kind of into a corporate environment and and how did that work for you it worked really seamlessly um and it's because of the people that work at turbine mm -hmm. um they're gamers they're into D D too they're into ddo too so it, it was really it, it was nothing it, it was a piece of cake, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are some things that, you know, when you become a uh, community specialist, you do have to do things like moderate the forums. Mm -hmm. So it used to be that I would uh, post on the forums and have conversations with people. And, and there are times where you have to edit posts and issue infractions and, and do some things that make people sometimes not like you so much. And, and so it does take a, there's a little bit of a transitory period there where you just have to, um, sort of find new ground and make sure that you are upholding your standards correctly. Okay. I okay. mean, obviously, you know, but being a community specialist, right, you've got to be willing to moderate fairly and, and do all that sort of thing. And especially if you come from the community, that means sometimes you have to make, um, well, you, you got to make some tough calls sometimes. And that's just the way it has to be. But uh, at the same time, I think that ultimately people want it that way. You wouldn't want uh, a, a moderator who plays favorites or who brings past history to a, you know a current decision or anything like that, right? So, yeah. well, you want someone there who's really played and experienced those issues and has some idea um, what the player's talking about, and not somebody who's looking down on them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, ultimately, it's you know, I come at it like a player. I come at it like an employee. Um, you need to uphold the, the standards of the company and at the same time, uh, you know, moderate fairly and do all that sort of thing. I don't know. I guess I'm not really quite sure what else to say about that other than I didn't find it difficult because the great people that I was working with and the good community that I'm, I came from and everything else. It really wasn't, it's not like I had to undergo a big shift or anything. I pretty much just did what I always did. It just, now I wield some power. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah. For the people that are listening who may not know, can you describe what you do at Turbine? What is a community specialist? That is a very good question. It's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, you, you're kind of a, you wear many hats as a community specialist. You do things like uh, forum moderation and um making announcements, announce downtimes, uh, you sit in meetings, uh, get the pulse of the community. Uh, when people say, Hey, what do, what do uh, role players think about this change? Or, Hey, what would our hardcore sort of loot focused gamers think about this? Okay. You know, when, when people ask for feedback, you collect that feedback and give it to them. And, and when they don't ask for feedback, you collect that feedback and make sure that people know about it too, you know? And so it's really just a mix of, of getting a pulse of the community, sort of passing along and being an advocate for the community, um, making sure the community feels uh, happy and comfortable with what's going on and announce things and 
do all sorts of cool stuff and, you know, moderate forums and help set up uh, forum accounts and things like that. There's some, some basic, uh, work that goes on where it's like, Hey, I, I can't figure out how to log in correctly or something happened. You know, you help people out with some of their support needs and things like that as well. Uh, when it comes time for say conventions and other events, you generally represent the company at those, you know, we're on the show floors and all that sort of thing. Sweet. Uh, having fun with people and hanging out and doing all sorts of stuff. I mean, you, there really is a, an amazing number of things that you do. Uh, it's one of the things I like best about the job is that you wear many hats and you get to see a lot of things that go on and, and give either your opinion or provide feedback or take the pulse or crunch numbers and post on Twitter and do, I mean, a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of what makes it fun. Do you ever have contact? Um, I've talking, I've talking, yeah. I've spoken to a few community managers where they say they speak to the people that are actually the GMs in game and the developers, and they're kind of like this this nexus for all these little offshoots of people that are trying to communicate through each other. Do you ever have the opportunity to speak to people that are a GMs in game or of any of the developers and things like that? Are they all in the same area in Boston, or are they very separate buildings and areas? And you're kind of on your own. Um, Sort of. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of communication that goes on at the company from various departments to other departments. I mean, ultimately, it's not my call to tell a GM what to do. I mean, they, they are professionals trained to do what they do best, and I am trained to do what I do best, right? So it's not like I'm going to say, you need to unban this guy or anything like that. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. but sure. I mean, we, we, people talk all the time about uh, uh, game development and changes and what's coming and what's happening and all sorts of things. So, yeah, we, we talk to GMs and, and stuff, but uh, they talk to us, too, and they talk to the developers and the developers talk to the producers and producers talk to executive producers and <laughs> producers talk to content and art. And, you know, there's all these departments that are just it's like a, a big uh spider web cell shall we say a web of lolth that happens uh that everyone basically is is cross uh communicating with each other and doing their best of not only their node at what they do but also making sure everything else is supported and ideally it works great and you have an awesome game with no problems ever <laughs> but with less darkness and drow yeah well yeah that's true although i don't know we did have a couple people dress up like drow for halloween so. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice what would you say some of the challenges of your job are and some of the rewards? I guess I'm asking for some cool stories. Wow, that's tough. I know, putting on the spot. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I, really, the challenges is just uh, sometimes things get nerfed in an MMO, and you know that they're being nerfed, and mm. sometimes you may have one of those weapons or items or pieces of armor that's getting nerfed, and you know it's coming, and you know the guy that's nerfing it sits right across the room. <laughs> <laughs> do you then shoot a nerf gun at his head no <laughs> you have to that's the thing though you have to ultimately i guess I'm, what i'm trying to say is you have to trust uh trust that sometimes nerfs are for the best sometimes nerf nerfs need to happen yeah. yes you know i may be the most uber powerful guy who can just solo you know end game raids because of this thing that's getting nerfed and now i will no longer be able to do that but really Really, should I be able to do that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but it's otherwise, like they're taken away from you. Right, exactly. Yes. I've played but it still, it still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah, I'm usually cheering for the nerves. Nerf <laughs> <laughs> you down to my level. Let's go. But otherwise, it's it's just mostly a matter. 
I, you know, I don't wouldn't say it's a challenge as it is so much a, a skill that you need to develop. And that is you need to be able to multitask. You need to be able to take a lot of feedback, uh, both positive and negative. You know, it's great to, to pass along the positive feedback, but you know, you need to pass along everything that people are saying in the community as well. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able, and you have to be able to do that, um, in a fair manner. You know, yeah, without interjecting say, your own opinion. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it, it takes a special person to do this kind of mm-hmm. job because you have to be unbiased. I mean, you, you sure, like like you said, I mean, there's there's stuff that's going on that you really hate that, like, they're ner- getting ready to nerf something. You know it's going to happen, and you got everybody else out there flaming, going, this is dumb, you know. But you need to actually say, well, you know, mm-hmm. like, like like you said, it's it's for the best of the game, you know, and 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 just step up and... and it's it i know people that have i mean it's it's a it's a straight on customer service gig and i mean it's you deal deal a lot with with irritated customers and yeah i know right. how I mean, some of these yeah. guys are i know how some of these people are that play these games man they take this stuff like i think they wouldn't be as this ticked off if you like took their favorite car away or something you know <laughs> right and, you know I, I guess kind of going back to to sort of an earlier point too though one thing that helps temper is it, it is i i think some people feel that maybe there's an us versus them that happens you know it's us versus the development team or it's mm-hmm. the development team against us and i have found during my limited time here that that really isn't the case the groups are oftentimes one and the same you know, mm-hmm. uh, there are devs who have many of the same opinions as the players do and players who have many same opinions as the executives do. And there's it, it's not quite so along solid lines. You know, there's not a big divide between opinions. It's all this big kind of spaghetti pile of opinions. And and the thing is that you need to do is is make sure that the best ideas come to the top and the best ideas are implemented and the things are implemented correctly and they're implemented as well as they can be, you know, within whatever limitations you have to work with and things like that. So, you know, it, it tends to, to be a little bit uh, more fluid, I think, than than some people think. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's and it's not always as clear cut a process. It doesn't always. It's not always the case that idea. Yes, that's a great idea. Now you, you make it, you know, and then it's made and it's perfect and it comes out. Sometimes things get shuffled around, they get redesigned halfway, you know. Uh, it gets redesigned based on the feedback from players or maybe the devs or someone comes up with an idea or sometimes maybe they hear an idea from, say, the community and say, yeah, that's a great idea. But then in the process of implementing it, maybe come up with some other ideas. And so maybe by the time it comes out, it's not exactly the same as the original um, you know, plan was, but it's hopefully better than what it was originally, and all that sort of thing. So it's it's kind of a neat, uh, like I say, spaghetti bowl of production and and ideas and designs and opinions and feedback and uh, nerfs and buffs and all sorts of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. And that's what that's part of the the excitement of it too. You get to see this stuff being done, mm-hmm. and, and especially if you're passionate about a game like DDO. Or Lord of the Rings, or Asheron's Call, or any game, you know, you, to be able to see that sort of thing come to fruition in a real sort of organic way, you, you know, you get to see things that you would never see otherwise, and it's just, it's incredible. What do you think the general reaction is to the upcoming update thirteen? Are people um, sometimes people? get very attached to a game and it becomes very precious in the sense that they want it to stay exactly the same as it was and never ever change. And then 
it inevitably does change. And there's always that factionizing of, you know, I love the new stuff. I want the old stuff back and forth. <laughs> What's the general uh, reaction to, to the upcoming update 13? I think it's quite good, frankly. I mean, the thing is that ultimately content is king. Mm. If it, if it's cool and awesome, it's cool and awesome, right? I mean, <laughs> true. You get bored after a while. You need new things. Right. And, and just because something new is, I mean, I, I guess I haven't really, I assume what you're talking about here is the, the ultimately the bridge between that's taking place between Eberron and the Forgotten Realms, yes, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think just like anything D and related, there's a plethora of opinions. And ultimately it's a very positive because people are seeing what, uh, you know, what, we haven't released a lot of stuff about what's happening yet, but what we have released has been really awesome, and I think that people are seeing that, and they're they're just seeing how cool it's going to be. So, it, sure, I mean, are there some people out there who maybe are like, oh, I kind of wanted to stay in Eberron and never go to Forgotten Realms. Oh, and by the way, I hate Drist, you know. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but, you know, hey, that's fine, too. Something wrong with, with uh, having multiple opinions. For those who don't play uh, DDO, can you give a brief what's already released to the public statement about uh, the new update so people can follow what we're discussing. Right. Uh, well, update 13 is a essentially bridging the gap. Uh, it sort of acts as like a, a, a prequel of sorts. It sort of lays the groundwork for what's going to be taking place in our expansion pack uh, coming out uh, this summer. Okay. Uh, and for those who don't know, uh, it involves basically going to the uh, Underdark and like Forgotten Realms and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's called Dungeons and Dragons Online Menace of the Underdark is the name of the expansion. And, uh, it, it really sort of bridges the gap, uh, update 13 does story wise. If you want to figure out essentially answer the question, well, how and why are we going there? This is going to uh, give you a really nice, uh, hint at both why we're doing that and give you some sense of what's going to be happening here in the future and then on its own it's a big update for ddo it's a, a free adventure pack you know if you're vip uh or free player anyone could play this for free right mm -hmm. and so that's really cool it's a nice uh relative uh, kind of mid-high level adventure pack around level 16 17 18 uh things like that that people can just go and run it's a cool quest chain on its own and Got all sorts of other uh, things happening in update 13 as well. Um, oh, I don't know. Things were changing some end way people get end rewards to get even cooler stuff. We're adding some stuff to the uh, Kanith crafting system, which is uh, one of DDO's crafting systems in the game. Uh, we're sort of making some changes to the early, uh, early low levels of the game, essentially the, the tutorial area of Corthos Island. We're making some uh, changes there. We're getting ready to celebrate our sixth birthday. Uh, towards the end of the month, uh, we're making some a whole bunch of bug fixes and tweaks and all, right. all sorts of good stuff. Frankly, I mean, we've got uh, if for those who are interested, our current DDO players uh, on Lamania right now, which is our public preview server. We have uh, at least part of update thirteen already available to uh, check out on that. So people who are really curious can go go find some of this stuff already and see what it looks like. And uh, it's coming out around our anniversary, I believe, is the official word. Um, okay. I don't think we have... I, I'm not in a position to give an exact day or date, but uh, that's what has been publicly stated so far. Great. Well, see, as a, a Dungeons & Dragons player myself, uh, but fairly new to it, 
I've only ever played in Forgotten Realms, so I didn't even know what Eberron is until, you know, I had some of the DDO Cocktail Hour people and the DDO on, and they were very insistent, this is the world of Eberron and the land of Eberron, when you talked about that. So, so I'll have to research my lore and see how this works, the whole uh, crossover. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of, we're, we're breaking new ground here in some ways, and that's what's part of what's really exciting about it. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, not that, ultimately, well, as a Dungeons & Dragons player, right, if you ever read any of the rules and settings and, and books, you'll often see statements of, feel free to take parts of this for your own campaign as little or as much as you want. Feel free to change it. Nothing is really aimed, meant to be set in stone in these campaign worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that said, at the same time, you've got intellectual property holders and settings you want to be faithful to and all this other thing. So I think we found a way to to really it's not an easy task frankly combining one world into another mm-hmm. and i think that uh, from what uh from i guess i'll say we're doing an awesome job of it it's going to be so cool huge <laughs> 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 right uh, well i don't dare say anything more that i uh, i don't i can't say anything that uh is not uh, already out there but you can find out some things say on ddo.com uh we do have uh, a bit of a teaser page talking a little bit about the expansion pack and update 13. Update 13 is called the uh, Web of Chaos. Uh, there's a link to Menace of the Underdark. As a matter of fact, I believe it's ddo.com slash underdark. Give you a nice little teaser about what's going uh, on there, which will be including playing the new Druid class. Oh. Uh, epic levels to 25. Currently, DDO uh, caps out at level 20, uh, which seems low to some MMO players, but there's really five ranks between each level, so level 20 is maybe the level equivalent of 80, 85 and most other MMOs. That makes sense. Right. And uh, TDO is largely set in and around the continent of Zendrick uh, and the city of Stormreach. And the continent of Zendrick is a place where uh, the drow are largely native to. Oh. Uh, they used to be enslaved by giants uh, back in earlier days of uh, Zendrick, and were able to, you know, break free from the uh, uh, their slavery. But they still largely live on on uh, Zendrick there. So, uh, but even in in Menace of the Underdark here, we are going to be going to the drow stronghold of Shinulrin. Uh We have uh, said that as well. It's the city of portals. Uh, I guess we have said Loth. Mm-hmm. People who don't know who Loth is, it's a big uh, sort of spider. Yeah, spider queen. Yeah, almost like a deity of sorts. But uh, I don't know. What else should I say? What else do you want to know about Update Thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever played DDO and didn't get an end reward that you wanted to get, you will want to check out Update Thirteen. We have got some changes to the way end rewards are going. You know, just like uh, most MMOs, you don't always get what you're looking for on the right. first time you run, run it. it. over and over and over. Right. Yes. Well, you'll be doing that a lot less in DDL because uh, we're going to be making some changes to get the loot you're looking for much uh, more consistently. Oh, and nice. if you find out some things about that, that's going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> I have a few guesses on that, which I won't say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, well, thank you for that update. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we end, uh, get to the ending here? Oh, well, we do have our sixth birthday coming up. Uh, I don't think I can really mm, say too much about what's going to be happening there other than, you know, Update 13 is going to be coming out around that time. And right now we've got the Rezia Ice Games. We've got some, which is sort of a ice platform jumping event. 
It's pretty awesome that's going on. People should check that out. Uh, we have a lot of kind of bonuses and things to celebrate the birthday and the upcoming expansion pack and really all sorts of good stuff had taking place between now and the summer release of the expansion pack. So if you want to get ready, right, if you've played DDO and you've got a character that maybe is not quite at level cap yet or you want to be higher level or you want to have awesome loot and everything ready for when the expansion pack hits, the coming months are going to be a great time to be playing DDO. So <laughs> got all sorts of good stuff in the works. <laughs> Anything you can do with your turbine points? Oh yeah, you can always uh, you can give them to me. No, I'm <laughs> yes. No, there's all sorts of good things uh, that are coming in the uh, DDO store that I probably shouldn't steal anyone's thunder on, but some cool stuff. Yep. Very good. Okay, a big thank you to Jerry, and you can find him on Twitter at Jerry Snook, and definitely not at Freezing Inferno, so we will not do that. <laughs> and if you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, where you can talk to Dave or myself, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email us your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week with a new episode.